Hey, good afternoon. Welcome back in to the 573 report for another week. I am Gabe DeArmond. Mitchell Forty will join momentarily and we will talk about the glory that is Missouri spring or winter sports, whatever season we might be in right now. We'll get to that in a minute, but want to remind you guys that this show every single Wednesday is brought to you by 573Ts. That is their logo to, well, I don't know which direction you're looking on the screen, probably to my left on your screen, but I'm not real good with the mirror images and stuff. So the other side of the screen from me, that's 573T's logo. You can check them out at 573TEES.com. You can go downtown Columbia between Alley or between 9th and 10th Streets on Alley A and check out everything they've got. They will make you custom stuff. They've got all kinds of NIL gear for Mizzou athletes. They've got Mizzou gear. Columbia Gear, Kansas City, St. Louis, anything you want, go check them out. Um, Good partners of ours for, I think, going on three years now. And uh, really appreciate everything they've done for us and hope that you guys will give them a look and get any of your apparel needs from them. We bring in Mitchell Forty now. And uh, Mitch, look, I wrote last night, like, I'm out of words for Missouri basketball. I got nothing to say, so... If you just want to go for like 20 minutes, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think actually I need to be taking le- taking lessons from you because you were out of words yet still somehow set the internet ablaze. Uh, I was out of words and did not find good good enough ones to uh, elicit that type of reaction. Just kind of tried to explain what happened. Still couldn't couldn't ever quite find the correct order of words to describe the Dejuan Gordon dribbling experience that was that one possession. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, we're at the point where, I mean, third 19 point loss in the past four games and knew last night wasn't going to be close. It wasn't, it wasn't a disaster. They just, you know, they didn't have as good of players as the other team. And it became apparent after a little while. And then we let the clock run out and everyone watched Space Jam. That was about it. Well, by everyone, you mean 16 people because we did count on the way out of the arena last night how many people were watching. Um, And I want to be clear, the words you need to use, apparently, if you want to set off a firestorm are curse words. So if you can get them in, if you can take the Lord's name in vain in a column, it will, uh, it will garner more attention than if you don't. So I do what you want. I, I far be it for me to recommend that just saying, uh, but no, I, last night, I, whatever it does, it, it just happened. It doesn't matter. And Saturday doesn't matter. The only way any of these games really matter is if they manage to win five of them in five days in Tampa, Florida, what what odds would I have to give you? Like, okay, $10 bet on Missouri to win the SEC tournament. What odds do I have to give you for you to take that bet? I mean, I, I think it'd have to be well upwards of 1,000 to 1 because this team hasn't won two games in a row since November when they were playing mid-major teams. The, the chances of them winning five in a row against SEC teams – I mean, like, yeah, I'll just keep the 10 bucks. It, it would have to be fairly astronomical. So so you are saying if I told you if you bet $10 on Missouri to win the SEC tournament, you are going to win $9,000 if they win. You would say, no, not good enough, can't do that? Yeah, I think so. I think I'd have to get 1,000 to 1 odds. <laughs> I mean, that's where we're at, and I, I don't even think I'm going to disagree with you. Whatever. I, I mean, I look, I don't – 
I don't have the energy to sit here and pile on anymore. Um, we've already got some questions building up. I, I'm actually, I do, like, the whole point of my column last night was the apathy of Missouri fans, and I think that's accurate. But I continue to be somewhat amazed that there are still a decent number of people that are engaged and still actively I don't know if they're actually watching every game, but they still care about the program. But I think that's a little bit um, skewed by the fact that we just did the people who are on a hey, look, I, I don't you you all may be very successful professionally, but if you're on a YouTube show at four o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon talking Missouri basketball, I'm going to guess you care more about Missouri basketball than the average Joe or if you're on the Internet at. 9.30 on a, a Tuesday night talking about it, I, I would guess the same. So my point is, I think we just deal with people who tend to care more. So our site, the people we interact with on a regular basis, probably not a very good representation of what the overall fan base is. I think a much better representation of the where the overall fan base is is, is just truly they, they're checked out until and, – and, Look, I don't think you get all those people back simply by changing coaches. That's not my point. But Missouri needs to do something that leads to more wins, whether that's a new coach or something else, because that's the only thing that's ultimately going to get most of them back. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I I do think that, you know, short of bringing in like a, you know, household name like a Sean Miller and or having someone come up with, you know, a, a miraculous recruiting class next year. Yeah, just changing the coach is not going to suddenly there'll be a little more buzz around the program because there will be some newness. But I don't think you're suddenly going to have a full Mizzou arena next season. I mean, that's literally happened one time in the arena's existence when they brought in the number one recruit in the country. Uh, as far as I know, the number one recruit in the country is not from Columbia this time around and doesn't have a father who can coach on the staff. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree that it's not going to be a quick fix. Um, and it's certain. I also I don't think it's necessarily Alconzo Martin's fault that we're at this point. I mean, you know, it's been a long time since Mizzou basketball was was playing for more than, you know, like an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. And that's not all on Conzo. But we've gotten to a point where there's not a lot of excitement about this team. And there just doesn't seem to be a lot of, of hope for next year's team. And I think that's really where. To me, you have to you have to start going with this decision. It's not just like, oh, it was one bad year. And I th we think, you know, it's like like Kentucky last year. You know, they had one bad year, but you could see how they were already pulling in transfers, recruiting well, going to have some guys come back like, you know, they could be a team that could make a run. Mizzou, it's like, well, maybe if they get a point guard and maybe if they get a shooter and maybe if they get a big man, all of which they tried to do last year and failed, then they could get back to the bubble. Like, is that really worth it to to kick the can down the road for that if you don't think that the ceiling is higher than that? And, and I think it's important to be clear here what we're saying. And I, I think part of the reason that what I wrote last night got the response it did was because a lot of people viewed it as, oh, finally he's on our side. He wants to fire Conzo. Look, we're they're going to do what they're going to do. Whether they fire him or don't fire him, I, I'm really not advocating either way. But... I do think it's getting a little harder to make make it a balanced argument, right? I mean, they've lost four in a row. They've lost, what, nine of 11, I think? I mean, it's like three weeks ago, I could say, okay, there's maybe four points on this side and six points on this side. And now, like, it, it's getting a lot harder to make those columns even out. Yeah, and I think why that is is because we're just, I mean, 
we thought part of the the argument for, well, maybe he could come back was what if this team plays better down the stretch? And it just hasn't. I mean, yeah, sure. They're a little bit better than the team that got blown out by some of these teams early in the season, but not much. Like you said, they've lost nine of 11. So that was always part of the, well, let's wait and see. Maybe if they, you know, get to 14, 15 wins and look better doing it, you could sell some hope for next season. And that just hasn't been the case. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be 10 and 19 after Saturday in all likelihood. And, and we'll see where it goes from that. Um, most of our questions are basketball related. So we'll go ahead and hit those up and then maybe talk a little bit of football or gymnastics. Missouri's a gymnastics school now. I don't know if you know, uh, whatever after that, but, um, uh, Colby wants to know how Desiree's attitude towards asking about Martin's future was, and what do you see the chances of her letting him go? Look, the chances, we don't know. I mean, I, I can fairly confidently say at this point that, like, the reason I went up to Desiree last night and said, look, I need to, to kind of ask what you can say about the future is, what if she had said, oh, no, we've already talked. We're bringing Conzo back. Then obviously that's a huge story, right? That now, the fact that she didn't say that doesn't mean he's getting fired, but it does mean there's at least a discussion about it. And I can, again, fairly confidently say they're they're exploring, right? There have been some calls that there plausible deniability exists. Desiree is not calling coaches directly or anything like that, but they're they're making preparations for the possibility that it's going to happen. That doesn't mean it is going to happen, but, um, you know, that, that's that's why you ask that question is just basically, hey, I want to give you the chance to tell me not to waste my time thinking about the idea this might happen, and she didn't shoot that down. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, she basically, I think, said to you when you came up to, when you came up to her, like, you know what I'm going to say. You could have written this already, which is no surprise. And that's part of the deal. And I think there's, there was some, there's been a little confusion of people thinking you like had to track her down. Like she's, she's very available. She's always in the press conferences after the game. Usually she comes by the press seating, you know, during games. It's, it's not like this was unexpected from her and it's kind of standard procedure. So yeah, this is just kind of part of, of how it goes when you get to this point in the season. And, And there's this thought, I think from people that like, you know, people aren't pressing Conzo and, and asking about his job security and, hey, why do you do this and do you think you should be fired and all that because, like, we're scared of it. And, again, just kind of what you were saying. I mean, when I walked up to Desiree, she 100% knew what I was going to ask and I 100% knew what she was going to answer. It was like this dance that you have to do. I mean, Conzo knows that question is coming at some point and – you know, once I talked to Desiree last night, hey, what's the point in asking Conzo? I mean, his boss has already said we're going to talk about it after the season. So why ask Conzo last night? But the the other thing that people don't understand is we're in these press conferences with 20 to 25 people, and there's about five of us that ever ask any questions. And so the last thing I want to do is ask Conzo Martin about his job security in front of 20 other reporters who never ask a question, and then there's an off chance that he gives this really good answer that that gives everybody a story who isn't doing the work and doesn't have the guts to ask the question. So I'm not going to ask that question in a press conference. 
Right. Yeah. And not to get too deep inside our jobs, too. But the other thing that I, I think people don't totally understand is you have to you have to kind of pick your spots, uh, not just in the situation of who's around. But like if you ask with seven games left, I can tell you 100 percent what his answer is going to be like, oh, I'm just focused on the next game. You know, we're just focused on the next game. And then you kind of you know, you only get to ask the question so many times. Right. Like so. Yeah. I mean, it, it just there's a time and place for it. I understand. You know, I understand that part of having a losing team is people get take take out some of their anger at us, whatever. That's fine. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, the questions are being asked, will continue to be asked, and we'll cover it, whatever happens. Uh, I think some people think we're like anti-coaching search, which is definitely not true because uh, financially coaching searches are good. Yeah, coaching searches are, are not the worst thing. I, neither of us has made a trip to the Columbia airport for anything other than personal reasons in quite a while now. So uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, Ron says, I guess there, there's only one thing left to do when the whole effing thing, continuing with the major league theme, um, is that the only thing Conzo can do at this point to come back? <laughs> See, I don't I don't think it's I, I think people want to believe this thing is done and decided, and I really kind of don't think it is. I mean, I think there are more points in Conzo's column than people are willing to admit. And like we talked about, hey, it's it's maybe going one direction a little bit more than the other, but by no means am I comfortable saying, hey, I think think Missouri's going on a coaching search in three weeks. I don't know that yet. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Yeah, I think one thing people don't realize is because we don't know where the decision makers stand on this or where they ever did stand, It's we can't say like, oh, because of this happened, it changed. Like, we, we never knew. Like, it, maybe they were always going to, like, boring, you know, scandal, going to bring the guy back or maybe, I mean, and also, I don't think a decision had been made. But, like, you know, we don't know where where the, the powers that be have been and are leaning on this thing. So it's really not up to us to handicap. Right. Um, AU Stock says three... 19-point losses in the last four games. They're nothing if not consistent. And I do want to say that in the last minute, we were rooting for them to lose by 19 because at one point I said, I mean, that's just what they do. They lose by 19 points. Yeah, I'm pretty upset at myself for not picking them to lose by 19. I mean, just should have seen that coming. That just That's just poor. I, I mean, the the Saturday prediction at LSU has to be a 19-point LSU win. Oh, that's a guarantee. Yeah, yeah. it will be. Uh, Pocket Watch says, don't you need to see progress, though, um, build and build until year three or, or four or five when you're actually competing. Um, I, I'm not sure I understand the question, but like, yes, to bring Conzo back, it, it will. And I just, I really don't think it's about this year. I mean, I don't know. Tell me if you disagree. Like, does beating LSU and Baton Rouge and winning one extra game in the SEC tournament, does that completely change your opinion? I mean, to me, this is much more about, and has been for a little bit now, what do we think about next year? And if this is the guy, then I don't really care if you finish 10 and 22 or 13 and 19. Like, there's really no difference in that to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I probably should have included that at the point above about the change, you know, what can change whether or not he comes back. I mentioned it on a radio interview yesterday. Like, I don't think, you know, winning, yeah, like 
two games down the stretch here versus none should probably be the difference, especially if like those games are like, I don't know. Yeah. You beat Georgia and South Carolina and a team, a bad team in the first round of the SEC tournament. Like that, that shouldn't mean anything. This is an important enough decision that it should not be based on that. Um, now, yes, winning a few games can help um, maybe help him make the case of like, you know, I can, you know, the team didn't quit and maybe we were showing a little progress towards the end of the season, although that still would ring a little hollow to me at this point with having lost three games by 19 points in the last four. But like it's part of it. But, yeah, I, I don't think the difference between, yeah, like 11 and 14 wins or something like that is enough to, to make the decision. It's about do you believe this is the guy to get the program where you want it to be in the relatively near future? Uh, True Divinity says the program needs juice, but what hire provides that most of the good options are all mid-major guys. And look, I, this is just my personal opinion. We'll have a list ready to go if we need it, but I don't really like to spend a whole bunch of time saying, hey, these are the 10 guys I'd look at for a job that's not open. I mean, if Gonzo gets fired, trust me, guys, we're going to be ready for it. I mean, we're, we're not, this is not our first rodeo. We had a we had a hot board for Kim Anderson for more than a full calendar year in our admin because we truly thought he was going to get fired after year two, and then he didn't, and so we just held on to it and updated it. So, like, we're going to be ready, but I'm not big on this public, hey, here's the six guys I'd call. Right, yeah. So I, I, I will say, though, to, to his point, like, yeah, that is part of the deal right now. And, and something that I do think people lose sight of, you know, they get to the point where it's like, gosh, anyone would be better than this guy. And like for people who are dialed into the program still and still getting upset about these losses, like, yeah, you're going to be excited. But for the most part, like if you hire, you know, I'm just using random examples like the coach from North Texas or the coach from Wyoming or the coach from Colorado State, that is not going to get the casual fan, you know, flooding back into Mizzou Arena. So Kyle brings up kind of a, a a point that, like, I see the merit, and I also want to push back on it at the same time. The basketball program needs someone to bring some energy like Drink does with the football program, someone in the mold of an Eric Musselman personality. So I think there is some value in that. And I think, like we've talked about before, Conzo is not going to do that in public on social media. That's not him. And you don't, you can't just go be somebody you're not, right? But it's not a job requirement to me. I mean, if if you can bring in good player, I mean, Mike Anderson, that was a boring dude, man. Like I covered a lot of press conferences, and I, I mean, I, I always laugh. I still joke with people about Mike. I mean, he did the same introductory press conference at St. John's a year and a half ago that he did at Missouri in 2006. Like, it doesn't change, right? It's the same thing. It's the same lines and the same jokes. Um, but he was a good coach, and he won 31 games in year three, and nobody cared if he was super dynamic and all that. And I remember after the Frank Haith introductory press conference, everybody's like, I think maybe I was wrong about this guy, man. I, I like him. He's got a good personality. And then the Miami stuff came out and they were like, oh, this dude got to go. I mean, it just, <laughs> you know, the the personality, it's a nice thing. And, and as it relates to Drinkwitz, and we've talked about this a thousand times, it's a good thing in the honeymoon phase, right? Like you want to have, when you go on your honeymoon, you want to have the hot girl on your arm who's making everybody laugh and entertaining everybody at the nightclub and all that. But, like, if you get back home and three weeks later, 
she's not very cool. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what public face she puts on. Uh, you know, so it, it, if you're not winning games, that all eventually wears off and none of it really matters. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think that it can help early on. It can help, you know, generate some support. But the only way that stuff is lasting is by winning. I mean, like, look, Conzo Martin had the best. I mean, you can bring in the most dynamic guy you want. He's not going to fill the arena like Conzo did in his first year. And then the first time, you know, we really get some severe struggles from him. I mean, pretty much everyone wants him gone. Like that stuff just doesn't carry on that long unless you win games. Like you mentioned Eric Musselman. You know why he's got juice around Arkansas? Because he's bringing, he brought in good players and they're winning a lot of games and they went to their first sweet 16 in like 30 something years. So yeah, I, I think the, the number one, requirement the number one thing you're looking for is you want some guys that can bring in players at a higher level than has been in the past few years i think that's the quickest way to get some juice i mean 95 percent of coaches who get fired get fired because they didn't recruit well enough i mean that's all there is to it but let me ask you a quick question before we kind of move on to football stuff would arkansas have gone to the sweet 16 if eric musselman always wore a shirt <laughs> there's no way to prove otherwise yeah, uh, that's enough he, of that I think talk. I remember, I, I could be wrong, because there's a lot of NCAA tournament ones, but didn't he take off his shirt at Nevada one year, and then they didn't make the Sweet 16? They like had a big comeback in their first game, and he took off the shirt, and then they lost, I think. I could I could be wrong. It's possible. So. I'm, I'm, I have not kept like a spreadsheet of Eric Musselman's clothing habits, but it's possible you're right. Um, so, Magic Man, and this is a good way to transition to football, and we'll have some spring football talk and all that, so if you've got comments whatever related to football feel free to to drop them there but magic man said drink needs to win and not talk uh because woody wouldn't offer talk the talk and did nothing with all that talk and again like it just you can talk or you get like gary pinkle super boring never talked if gary pinkle was a coach in the age of where twitter was big like Nobody might even know Gary Pinkle was Missouri's head coach. You know, now, I mean, that is also GP's Twitter account did provide me some entertaining times over the years as he adjusted to learning how to use it. But, um, but the point is, like, there's no, like, there isn't just this cookie cutter, hey, if you do it this way, it's right. You just have to be you and you have to be good. <laughs> there, like, there's no secret to it. If there was, everybody would do it the way some other guy did it. Yeah, for sure. I, I think people lose sight of how hard it is to be a successful coach. And then they, they latch on to one who they like and say it needs to be this guy. And then, yeah, you can't have people who just are trying to be someone else. And, and that is actually, I think, one of Eli Drinkwitz's strengths is he isn't someone else. He is himself and he sells that pretty well. So, yeah, let's talk spring football. What I mean, what, what can we talk about? There's not a lot because they haven't actually started spring football, but we did speak to some players in person the other day. Yeah, we did. Uh, like, I, don't, I didn't count exactly, but I don't know, somewhere around 15 seniors. Mm -hmm. Um, some of whom will play, some of whom, you know, will probably play a little bit less, but appreciate it. Like, I, I'm not trying to joke, appreciate them making as many guys available as they did. And, um, I, I, I always struggle with spring football because like we try to make a big deal out of it because people haven't had football for three months and won't have football for four more months. And so, Hey, we survive on football and everybody's excited about it and all that. And so we don't want to downplay it. And also kind of at the same time, like, it's not that big a deal, right? Like, we're not going to come out of here going, okay, well, now we know who's starting here. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. I think there's some things to monitor and some some storylines to talk about that we talked about with the Clares the other day. But yeah, no, no position battles are going to be won in spring. We're not going to figure out who the starting quarterback is. We're not going to figure out very much about the defensive scheme or anything like that. Um, a few things that, that we did talk about with guys with, though, that I found somewhat interesting. Well, first of all, on the defensive coordinator thing, the players weren't even, apparently not even instructed to tell us that, that no defensive coordinator has officially been named yet. So just throw all that out the window for a little while. Like we'll, we'll, you know, we'll deal with, we'll talk to the coaching staff on Monday. I assume by then an announcement will we'll, come out. Hopefully we'll get a release so. Friday afternoon, about an hour before practice is my guess. Yeah. Like we'll talk to Blake Baker at the, on Monday. Um, but you know, talking to a few guys, I did, I did get the sense that it's been communicated to them. Like it has us that like, continuity is, is something that that the coaching staff is looking to have. Uh, I know realist George uh, told me something as this quote was something along the lines of like, you know, when, when, when the coaches had meetings with us, we all told them we felt like we were getting better and better as last season went on and it would be really hard to totally reset. And so apparently that's some feedback that was taken to heart. Um, there'll be a, there'll be a lot of new guys out there in the spring. So it, you know, it'll be a chance for people to you now pick, pick up and learn the scheme, stuff like that. Uh, there's quarterback stuff. There's newcomer stuff. I don't know. You, I've talked for too long. You can say something now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the quarterback thing is, like, it's the main story with this team, but it just, like, I don't know how much we'll learn because we're going to get to see five practices for 25 minutes or so. So mm-hmm. we're not probably, I'm not sure we'll ever see Brady, Ma- Brady Cook or Tyler Macon. I'll just call him Brady Macon from now on. I'm <laughs> yeah. not sure we'll see Brady Macon throw a pass against like in 11 on 11. We might, but but I'm not sure. It would be great if we at least got to see a scrimmage, but I don't have any indication that's going to happen. Um, but the interesting part to me will be this is, I mean, there's only two scholarship guys, so like they're both going to get first team reps and they're both going to get second team reps because there's really no other choice. Again, we probably won't see it. I mean, I, I guess it would be telling if, hey, 90% of the first team reps are going to one guy. Well, it's pretty obvious who the, the number one guy is, but going into spring, I think it's already pretty obvious who the number one guy is. I mean, Tyler Macon is going to have to go win that job from Brady Cook because right now it's Brady Cook's job. Yeah, I think he'll get every opportunity to. And it's not a situation like last season where Eli Drinkwitz was walking around telling everyone who would listen, like, hey, Connor Bazalak is our guy. Um, but yes, I, I mean, I would say just based on the, you know, the bull game who started it last year, Brady Cook probably enters with a bit of a leg up. Uh, here, here's why the spring will be interesting to me on the quarterback front. Nothing we see will be interesting, but I think it will be extremely telling whether or not they get a transfer afterwards, right? I mean, or, or pursue a transfer afterwards. If if they don't, then I think that suggests that they come out of spring feeling pretty confident that they have their guy in one of those two players. Um, and if they, you know, if they do pursue a transfer, then they probably don't feel like one of those two guys is, is the guy. You know, other than that, I mean, look, I'm not going to pretend that based on the two hours combined of practice we see that we're going to know what the defensive line looks like or any of that. I mean, somebody asked me in my mailbag, I thought it was interesting, Like, and, and I'm not going to ask you to go through all 10, but said kind of in order, you know, rank rank the impact the transfers will have. I mean, give me like your top two or three. They brought 10 guys in. Who are the two or three that you think, all right, this guy's a difference maker, like probably game one against Louisiana Tech? Yeah, um, I mean, Jaden Jernigan makes sense to me. Um, you know, I think they have a spot where he could fill in and definitely at least will be in the rotation. Ty Ron Hopper makes sense to me, the linebacker. 
Um, I, I think, you know, obviously he'll have to beat out Devin, Devin Nicholson, but I think they, they needed a somewhat a guy to start there. Um, the, I will say this, that everyone's downplayed the two Buffalo guys, but like, they seem like to me, like at least Tyler Stevens, the tight end is probably going to start because no one else is at that position. And Bensi Polgar has to be the favorite. To, I mean, like clearly the staff thought he had a decent chance to start at center or they wouldn't have brought him in. Um, you know, I think Nate Pete will play a fair amount because again, you don't bring a guy in who's looking for more playing time if you don't think that playing time will be there. Now, obviously, it's not just going to be handed to him. but So that's five. Uh, that's more than you asked for, but that's what I got. Yeah, I think I went Hopper, Jernigan, and Polgar as, as my top three because I think two of those three are almost certain starters. Um, and Jernigan, I, I don't know. I think he'll start, but even if he doesn't start, he's in the top three, which means he's he's playing starter snaps. Magic Man says, do we have more than one defensive tackle over 300 pounds? The incoming freshman is the only one I see offhand. And, like, let me be clear right now, there is nothing I pay less attention to than how tall or how much a guy weighs. I, like, I just I don't care. Can he play football? Like, I, I I don't know what Jeremy Macklin's 40 time was ever, but dude was fast, right? I don't know how much, uh, you know, Martin Rucker weighed, but he was a good tight end. He weighed enough, you know. So, so it's just not something I pay attention to. I mean, like, just to give you the example of the only two guys who I do know what they weigh, Ben Key weighs 327 pounds, and he's probably not going to play this year. And Jaden Jernigan weighs 275, and he was on a top 10 defense in the country and may start this year. And, like, I want to be clear, nobody is saying Jaden Jernigan is Aaron Donald, but every time somebody was talking about Jaden Jernigan, it was, hey, he's small, but the best defensive tackle in the NFL is small. So you don't have to weigh – like, I think this magic, if you weigh 300 pounds, you're good. Like, yes, it can work that way, but it doesn't have to work that way. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you been, you forgot the third player whose way, of course, we know, which is Harrison Mavis, who, uh, according to the message board, clocked in at 257, which I think is amazing. I mean, yeah, it's it's something, man. I mean, it's, it's wild. But I remember, I, I think it was right about 12 months ago, we were all discussing at, you know, 202 pounds or whatever he weighed. Like, there's no way Tyler Beatty can be an every down back in the SEC, right? right? It just does. It, it just truly does not matter. Yeah, no, totally agree. Uh, yeah, it matters a little bit. Like you're, you're not gonna have a guy who's 185 out there playing to, on the line or like tight end or something. But everyone knows that for the difference between a 275 pound guy and a 300 pound guy is really not very much. Right. It's it's technique and skill mm-hmm. and all that. So, uh, spring practice opens Friday. Um, like you said, assistant coach interviews on Monday. I'm trying to think how many coaches on this staff that Monday will be the first time we have ever spoken to them. Uh, So the cornerbacks coach from Auburn, first time for him. Blake Baker, first time for him. Jacob Peeler, first time for him. Um, Peoples. uh, Kevin Peoples, first time for him. Al Davis, we never talked to him last year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so half. 
at least half of the coaching staff, like we have legitimately never spoken to. I've I've seen some of them. Like I know Al Davis exists because I've seen him. So I actually spoke to Al Davis once briefly at the Kansas City recruiting reception thing on signing day. He was there and I introduced myself because I knew he was getting the job and uh, just said like, hey, maybe someday we'll talk to you. And that was it. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm glad to know that was a meaningful interaction. I'm sure for both of you. I'm I'm sure he's in the football offices going, I'm looking forward to Monday. I want to talk to that 40 kid. I remember him. Yeah. It, it was good. Uh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. <laughs> so, um, so that's where we're at. Um, I mean, two weeks left in basketball season. Uh, it like It's weird because it's a busy time of year, but as far as we're concerned, like, I, you know, I – Softball's eight and three. They've got forty some odd games left. Baseball's three and one. They've got fifty some odd games left. Women's basketball, like, I, I, if they win on Thursday against Kentucky, I think they're probably in the NCAA tournament. So that's good. But um, you know, as as far as what we're focused on, it, it's kind of. I feel like calm before the storm right now. Like spring football will start next week, and we'll see what that looks like. And then, you know, basketball, you take that calm before the storm come in any way you want. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll uh, hopefully have some maybe some feature type stories coming out of spring ball. I think I feel like that's usually the most meaningful thing that, that we can produce out of it. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. All right. Well, uh, thanks for hanging out. We'll uh, I don't know. We'll talk sometime, man. I'm sure something's something is going to happen between now and the next time we have anything planned. So it's a safe bet. <laughs> all right. Have a good one. Mitchell Forty joining us and we're going to let him go. Appreciate all you guys uh, hanging out with us. If you watching live if you could do us a favor hit the like button on the show that helps us kind of it spreads the word it it gets the show visible to more people if you subscribe to the channel that helps us with youtube and they kind of recommend our shows to more people and all that so we appreciate all of those things um if you're listening on the podcast which will be posted shortly after this uh this ends uh leave us some nice comments five star reviews all that spread what we're doing on social media Regardless of if you do any of those things, the one thing we most want you to do is uh, do some business with 573Ts. Go check them out at 573Ts.com, at 573Ts on Twitter, social media. They're very active on social media. They will respond to you quickly. Um, If you want custom stuff done, they can get that done soon. Uh, Truly great small business, great company in Columbia. Uh, They've really made a lot of a lot of progress here in the last couple of years. We like to think we play some small part in that and that you guys have played a part in that as well. So uh, we ask you to continue to do so. We will be back with this show next Wednesday. Um, before that, uh, on this channel, we'll have episode five of Hanging with Mookie Cooper next week. We are starting the Touchdown Luther Burden show with Missouri's most prized recruit. Uh, sometime next week, I believe uh, a week from tomorrow, next Thursday will be the first episode. So plenty of stuff coming up here. Uh, again, uh, you know, spring football, rest of basketball, whatever comes after the rest of basketball, all that. So appreciate you guys hanging out, and we'll talk to you later on.